Hey guys, I'm so glad you decided to join us. My name is Bethany. I'm Emmanuel Baptist's uh, college student techie, basically the unpaid intern. Um, <laughs> and we're so glad you decided to join us today. Uh, just a couple things before we start the episode. Um, first of all, the audio is pulled from our Facebook Live video, so that means the quality isn't that great. But the good news is you can go to our Facebook page to watch the video in its entirety. I'll put the link in the description, and that'll include the singing and all of that. Um, we know the quality isn't that great, but we created this podcast. I put podcast in air quotes. Um, so you can listen to the sermon, whether you're working or driving or whatever. Um, so anyway, so glad you're here and enjoy. Anybody in this room ever been discouraged? It's a part of life. Discouragement is part of life. It comes most often when you do the right things, but you get poor results. You work hard, but you don't make progress. You show up to practice every day, but your team loses every game. Anybody ever been on a team like that before? It's hard. You work your tail off practicing. You, you play your best in the game, and in the end, you still lose. Maybe you're a parent, and you spend time with your child, going out of your way to parent the best way that you can, but yet your child still ends up rebellious. I heard this this past week, and I just thought it was great. Discouragement eats a hole in our heart. I love that word picture there. Can't you see a heart right before you with full of holes? That's what discouragement does to us. It makes us want to quit. Maybe we say things that we shouldn't or shake our fist at God. That's how Jeremiah felt. God called him to speak a harsh message to a rebellious people. He obeyed, yet on one occasion, Jeremiah so angered an assistant to the high priest and the chief security officer for the temple by the name of Pasher, 
that the man arrested Jeremiah, beat him, and threw him in jail, locking him in stocks so that his body was contorted and writhing in pain. Here was a man in deep distress. He endured physical, emotional, spiritual, professional anguish. He walked in deep despair, all for doing God's will. Come now to his word. Now Pasher, the son of Emer, the priest who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Then Pasher struck Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. And it happened on the next day that Pasher brought Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then Jeremiah said to him, the Lord has not called your name Pasher, but Magor Mazib. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends, and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies, and your eyes shall see it. I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall carry them captive to Babylon and slay them with the sword. Moreover, I will deliver all the wealth of this city, all its produce, all its precious things, all the treasures of the kings of Judah. I will give into the hand of their enemies who will plunder them, seize them, and carry them to Babylon. And you, Pasher, and all who dwell in your house shall go into captivity. You shall go to Babylon, and there you shall die, and be buried there. You and all your friends whom you have prophesied, to whom you have prophesied lies. O Lord, you induced me, and I was persuaded. You are stronger than I, and have prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted, violence and plunder. Because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more of his name. But his word was in my heart, like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. For I heard many mocking, fear on every side. Report, they say, and we will report it. All my acquaintances watched for my stumbling, saying, Perhaps he can be induced. Then, we'll then we will prevail against him, and we will take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me as a mighty and awesome one. Therefore my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. 
They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. But, O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous and see the mind and heart, let me see your vengeance on them, for I have pleaded my cause before you. Sing to the Lord. Praise the Lord, for he has delivered the life of the poor from the hand of evildoers. Let's bow our heads in prayer. We spoke earlier about passion. But what I want us to notice here is Jeremiah's rise above discouragement. This is Jeremiah's last recorded lament. And one can't help but think of Jesus, his experience there in the garden, where he had the highs and lows of emotions, grief and joy, delight and despair, perplexity and praise. Like Jesus, Jer reminds us that even faithful, the faithful servant of God can get discouraged. Jeremiah lived above his feelings and fulfilled God's will. We too can rise above discouragement. And here's how. First, be honest. God how you feel. I know I've shared it a number of times, but it still speaks to me now, even after all these years, 20 years later. When uh, Joshua was passing away, and then he died, I was angry. But I didn't want the church to know that. I didn't want God know that. Because he's a sovereign Lord of all. And I was still I mean I was a Christian for a number of years but I was still fairly young in my Christian faith and I had learned that God's an awesome God. God gives us only good things and he's loving and benevolent. So knowing all those things how can I get angry? was my thought. So he's, this has got to be a good thing that's from him. So I, I, I can't get angry. And I had a pastor friend at the time. He was the assistant pastor of the church. And he's like, Mark, it's okay to let God know you're angry. Be honest. Because, frankly, he knows anyway. He knows anyway. So we need to be honest with our feelings, with the Lord our God. Don't try to mask them. Don't try to hide them. If we're frustrated about something, let him know. In this case, Jeremiah is discouraged. He's greatly discouraged. Maybe you're at a place in your life right now where things haven't gone your way or the way you, ex yeah, the way you expected and you're upset. 
Jeremiah was honest. He felt deceived by God. Think about it. Imagine feeling deceived by God. Or being seduced. Obviously, God doesn't mislead or trick his people, but Jeremiah felt that. God had lured him into the ministry just to make him a laughingstock. Think about hanging there in the stocks. People jeering at you. Or being locked in prison. Forgotten. Thinking, Lord, why did you do this to me? I imagine he might have felt like a helpless girl who had been seduced and overpowered by a deceptive lover. He felt ridiculed, offended. His voice, he's crying out, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. He was crying out for the people, and they weren't listening to him. They weren't repenting. They continued towards destruction and judgment. Jeremiah's intense lament here was private. It was for God alone. It wasn't for everyone to see. He was tortured in his soul. God wants us to talk to him. Even when we're angry, when we're upset, when we're frustrated, he wants us to be truthful with him. Think about how much dishonesty really goes on in relationships. I bet you all said it. How are you doing today? I'm fine. It's a social nicety, I get it. But we're not really honest. Maybe we're having the worst day in the world. It's easy. What? If they say the truth, most people don't yes. Yep. Exactly right. We must remain, remember. Anger is an emotion, he said. It's an anger to God. And oftentimes, emotions are neither right or wrong. It's what we do with those emotions. Jesus poured out his heart there to the Father. Think about it. In anguish of soul there in Gethsemane. Knowing that he would be separated from the Father for the first time in eternity. He poured out his soul to the Lord and we should do the same. Hold nothing back. Tell the Lord exactly what is on our heart. Especially the bad feelings. Maybe those angry feelings or those discouraged feelings. By pouring out our emotions, we are freed from their hold. And we enter more deeply into a loving embrace of our Lord. God doesn't want us stuck in any anger or other negative feelings we may have. Which is why we need to be honest. If we bottle up our anger, even towards God, it only does harm. Never any good. It's not a bottle of soda. But imagine if this was a bottle of soda. What would happen, everybody? 
Exactly. Everywhere. And that's our anger. It spews out everywhere eventually. So let's be honest with them if we're angry at our, our situation. So first, if you want to overcome discouragement, you need to be honest about how God you feel. Secondly, if you will look at verse 9, then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart, like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. Keep doing what's been called to do. Each one of us has a calling. And you, you might think, oh, I don't have a calling. Yes, you do. If you're a plumber, if you're a mother, if you're fill in the blank, whatever station of life you're at, if that's what God has called you to do, keep doing it. Be the best. I know we watched that Louis Giglio series. They said, if you were called to be a plumber, be the best plumber that you were called to be. Because if that's what is fulfilling to you, if that's how God's made you, that is what he wants you to do in this life. So if you're here from the beginning of your life, not your twilight, and you're trying to figure out where does God want me to be? Just keep talking to him about it. Keep trying things. Find out those things that are fulfilling to you and do them to the best of your ability. Because it would be really sad to get towards the end of your life and to have a regret. Thinking, I should have done that. Or I should have done that. God will still use you, of course, where you're at. But he's made you specific. For a certain task. Be that way. And if you're at the later point of your life, think, what does God want me to be doing now? Be obedient. Keep doing what you've been called to do and to do it. ignore your call. A call comes first from the heart. It's eternal. As a result of the continued drawing from the Holy Spirit. This conviction is deep within your innermost part of your being. Eventually it becomes unshakable. And we see here in Jeremiah in verse 9. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back and I could not. God had called him to be a prophet to the people. He wanted to stop, but he couldn't because it was part of his very being. Again, whatever God's called you to, do it. Warren Wearsby, pastor and author, writes, the work of ministry is too demanding and difficult for a man to enter it without a sense of divine calling. Men enter and then leave the ministry, usually because they, they lack a sense of divine urgency. Nothing less than a definite call from God could ever give a man a 
success in the ministry. And of course, speaking there about pastors. But all of us have a ministry. All of us have something that God has created us for. And we're not to give up, even when we're discouraged. Just keep doing it. When called, obey. Obedience may be difficult. It may be painful. But someone is First, talk about being honest. Tell God how you feel. And I forgot to have a verse for that. Verse 7. Oh Lord, you induced me, and I was persecuted. You were stronger than I, and have prevailed. So, be honest. Tell God how you feel. Secondly, be obedient. Keep doing what you've been called to do. Thirdly, be watchful. Know that the Lord is with you. Look, if you will, at verse 11. But the Lord is with me. As a mighty, awesome one. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and will not prevail. They will be greatly ashamed, for they will not prosper. For their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, awesome one. Some translations say, as a violent warrior. God is not on the losing side. He is going to win because the Lord is with him. Jeremiah was going to win because the Lord is with him. We are going to win because the Lord is with us. God would deal effectively in his own way, in his own time, against his enemies. Often our discouragement, in our discouragement, we look inward to our problems, our frustrations, and our situations. We need to look upward and outward. Upward to God who has not abandoned us. Outward to those that need to hear. And those, those that need to be touched by the Lord our God. He has not abandoned us. He is with us. He accompanies us. He is ever-present everywhere now. Can you imagine the difference it would make in each of our outlooks if we would remain consciously aware that God was with us? Can you imagine maybe going to a difficult board meeting knowing that God is beside you? Or going to a difficult fill-in-the-blank, whatever you do with your profession. Or maybe the person that you didn't want to speak to about the ministry that you need to speak to. God is with you. Knowledge of God's presence can help us accomplish significant things despite You know, I had a, a hard time a couple years ago now. And a pastor friend that I was meeting with to help me through mentioned, Mark, are you experiencing God's presence? Are you conscious of his presence in your life? Because it does make 
the extreme difference. You, we can know things intellectually. We all know these things. God's with us. But are we experiencing that? Are we bringing that truth to mind when we're looking at a difficult situation? When we keep our minds on the situation rather than on him, we will get discouragement. It's one of Satan's greatest tools. If he just discourages God's people, he renders them useless because they're only looking at themselves and the difficulties around them instead of the Lord God who's already defeated sin and death, who is the creator of this world and who is ultimately in control of all things. That is our God. And that brings us right to the next part. Be worshipful. Be worshipful. Praise God with your whole Remember how we use the example of discouragement of putting holes in your heart. Well, here we're talking about worshiping with our whole heart. Because all those holes, God fills in. He completes us. He makes us whole because he has given us the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us the Holy Spirit, which empowers us. We know the truth of this verse. Of this verse. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. That's one that I definitely hold on to. Because the Lord our God is the one that strengthens us. Verse 13. Sing to the Lord. Praise to the Lord. For he has delivered the life of the poor from the hand of evildoers. Praise is one weapon in the Christian's arsenal, which Satan has no defense against. Think about it. When we're praising God, our focus and our attention is on Him. It's on Him and Him alone. If we want to be victorious, praise is part of the key. Jeremiah's triumphantly proclaimed, Sing to the Lord. Praise to the Lord. Praise is more than just acknowledging God for the good that comes our way. Praise is accepting from God all that comes our way, both the good and bad from our perspective. The praise we offer when things don't go our way, I believe, is far more precious to God than the praise we offer when things are going well. Praise does four things. First, praise recognizes a provider. Praise takes our mind off our situation and focuses our mind's eye on God and God alone. It gives God the right to rule and reign in our lives how he sees fit. It acknowledges that God knows more about what he's doing than we do. And as people, that's hard to accept. We think that we're in control. But the older we get, the more we know that's not the case. It accepts that God can take all the stuff in our life that seems awful and make something beautiful out of it. I don't know about you, but if I was the creator of the universe, I don't think I would have my son hanging on a cross as a pure sign 
blood running down and suffocating to save people from their sins. I wouldn't have picked that. Would you have that been the first thing that came to your mind? Probably not. He's the one that can be saved. Not us. He's sovereign. Lord of all. Praise recognizes the provider. Praise also acknowledges a plan. Turn, if you will, just a few chapters to Jeremiah 29. We know this verse, 29-11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Our God wants to give us a future and a hope. Praise acknowledges that God is in control and that he has a plan for our lives. God weaves a tapestry of our lives. We don't always see the finished product. Sometimes we get to the end of our difficulties before we actually see what's going on. When we realize that God has a plan, we have two options. We can either fight God's plan or embrace it. Praise also accepts the present. Praise is based on a joy, joy, joyful and total acceptance of our situation, our present, as part of God's loving and perfect plan for us. Praise is not based on what we think or what we hope will happen. Praise God is still what's going on right now. It's happening around us. Praise him for who he is. And lastly, praise is powerful. Release the power of God. Prayer opens the door for God's power to move in our lives. But praise also does as well. Because it is a form of prayer. Turn, if you will, to Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verse 11. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. That's not the right place. 22, 3, sorry. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of you may have before you, O thou inhabitant of the praises of Israel. God actually dwells. He resides in our praise. God's power and presence is near when we praise him. When we praise God for the present situation as part of God's plan, God's power is unleashed. This power cannot be brought about by new attitude or determinate effort of self-will, but only by God working I'm going to close with something I don't think I've shared here. I remember sharing it years ago. I don't believe I've shared it here. It's a legend. Some of you may have heard it before. The legend goes as this. The devil put up 
his tools for sale, making each for public inspection with a corresponding sale price. Included were hatred, envy, jealousy, deceit, lying, and pride. Laid apart from these was a rather harmless-looking but well-worn tool entitled Discouragement. It was marked at an extremely high price. Why the costly price, the devil answered? Because it's more useful to me than the others. I can pry open a person's heart with it, but I can't get by the others. None of the other tools. Once inside, I can make that person do whatever I choose. It's badly worn because I use it almost everywhere, on everyone. Since few people realize that this tool belongs to me. Many people succumb to this famous tool of Satan. Maybe you're here this morning feeling its effects now. Like we're reminded of from Jeremiah, we can rise above this discouragement. We just need to be honest about God how we feel. Be obedient, keep doing what we've been called to do. Be watchful, knowing that the Lord is with us. And be worshipful. We need to praise God with our whole heart. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this reminder from your word that you are sovereign that you are in control and it's all about our vertical relationship with you all that may be going on around you in some ways is inconsequential because Lord you desire that relationship with us so help us to be open and honest with our feelings help us to be open and honest with what we see happening around and really look to you rather than try to solve it in our own strength. We just thank you for this reminder from your word and we ask this in your name. Amen. Dear Lord, we are so very thankful that there is no not one like you. Let us, Heavenly Father, be giving you all the glory and honor and praise that you Remembering as we go forth in your name that you are always with us. And we will have the power and strength that we need to complete any task that you give us. So let us go forth as your people. We ask this.